apparently one or one thing that I had read was that for for some reason, I guess people believed that werewolves like turned their skin inside out to return to human form. And so like during these werewolf hunts, people would cut and pull a person's skin back to see what was Ooh. underneath. Yeah. Because <laughs> that is if terrible. You them and there was fur underneath, they're a werewolf. And like that makes oh my the whole going witches into pond thing look rational. Right. Seriously. Yeah. Coming back to what I was gonna say, the note that I put <laughs> beneath that <laughs> was just and sorry, we swear on this podcast. I did not warn you about that, but it, it was just what the fuck? People are the real monsters. Well, like yeah. are you serious Absolutely. that this was a thing that they were doing? I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. And this is Spooky Science Sisters. Hello, you're listening to Spooky Science Sisters, a podcast where we present to you a science-based and probably very giggly discussion on all things strange and unusual. In this episode, we are joined by author of Murder with Monsters, KT Katzman, to talk about werewolves. So KT, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your book and what inspired you to write it. Sure. No problem. Uh, I am a teacher in the state of Florida, despite having written a book in which a Jewish vampire and a Bigfoot fall in love while solving mysteries together. <laughs> Excellent. So I am the weird one that the kids generally want to go to the classroom of because they come in and there's, you know, the Cthulhu posters and the Shira posters. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, Always been a huge monster fan ever since I was young and devoured every Bigfoot book and orange movie monster series book in the public library. So I've always had all of that stuff skimming in my head. And (laughs) the idea for Murder with Monsters generally came with the fact that, you know, if you read a lot of urban fantasy, there's a lot of series where it's just X creature is real and nobody Mm -hmm. knows about it. Whether it's like vampires or werewolves and wizards and like, I just wanted to think, what if everything was real and yeah, people yeah. just knew about it? You know, there's immigration treaties so we can send the Wendigos off to the mountains, the vampires <laughs> from the blood bank dispensary. If you're a werewolf, you have to register your bite marks so that if there's a case of a full moon, we can match if anybody gets bitten in Central Park and know what strain of werewolf they will become. That oh, kind amazing. Of <laughs> So, like, I decided I'm going to write a detective novel if basically we have, I don't know if this is a deep cut, but if you had a Jewish young woman Columbo as it. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, um, because, A, I love the idea of writing a Jewish vampire and seeing how that interacts with the culture. Yeah. And, B, um, I can only assume given your subject material that you have some experience with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Not as much as you'd think, actually. That's like one of those shows that has been on my, hey, I should watch this list forever. But I think I was like just a little bit on the young side when that would have started airing on TV. (laughs) Basically, there's one moment I love in which there's a demon who's been around for centuries who's been turned in back into her human form of a teenager mm-hmm. and while arguing at a bar she screams the line i don't have any id i'm 600 years old give me a freaking beer 
<laughs> and I just love the idea that this this uh, experienced being is stuck in a younger body. So yeah, my vampire girl, she, my vampire woman, she looks like 19. She's really in her 50s, and she gets constantly aggravated by people. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just basically wanted to play around with all the monsters. I grew up with these toys called Monster in My Pocket where there were the, like, these little sold, toy soldier-sized monsters, everything from Sasquatch to spring Jack to the Kraken. And I just eventually gave myself a challenge. How many of these creatures can I fit in per book? I think I got 24 out of 48 in the first book. And I'm working on it for the sequel. Awesome. Okay, so it's the just the first book is out right now. And yeah, you're working on book two. Then. Yeah, book two is honestly hopefully going to be published before the end of the year. Uh, uh-huh. It stalled out for a little while for honestly the reasons that I felt really weird about writing heroic police fiction during 2016 to 2020. Yeah, right. So like I, I'm dealing with like, am I writing propaganda? Am I writing an aspiration of what people want to have happen? Yeah. I have a tiny little dog running around in the background, so I hope that doesn't matter. Oh, that's fine. We both have dogs, too. (laughs) I'm going to have to uh, basically for the book, I'm going to drop little hints to show that these police have been reformed and refunded. And I just found the one supernatural entity who could probably completely rework the criminal justice system. But I'm going to keep that under my hat. Gotcha. (laughs) Okay. well, something that we did not warn you about ahead of time. So, oops. Is that every episode we uh, once we do the intro, we do something uh, called something spooky, which is basically just a little recap of if anything particularly spooky happened to you recently or for us. It's since we recorded last Uh, and sometimes there's nothing. So it's just like, okay, we're just going to, you know, talk about something spooky that we found or whatever. Um, But Paige, do you want to go first? Uh, Yeah, I would love to go first because I don't have anything. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, other than I think I texted you again, I think it was this week that like that car alarm started going off again. So I don't know. Oh, yes. It's like not even a little spooky. It's only spooky to me because I'm convinced that someone's car alarm going off means that like something terrible is happening to them, happening to them. Yeah. Um, but other than that, no, <laughs> nothing spooky. I think, you know, the background for that story works well since we have a guest on who writes detective mysteries about monsters. So mm-hmm. yeah, it works. Right. Paige is convinced <laughs> that there's like some person who's trying to signal her that they need to be rescued from her apartment by repeatedly setting off their <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's a cool plot idea. <laughs> well, and like the, the, the silly thing about this is that it's been going on for like probably a month or two now. And like I've yeah. seen this person or like yeah. seen the family outside of the apartment before. Oh, so, so they're fine. Oh, they're totally fine. I just uh, – or or maybe not. Like, I guess maybe there's, like, an additional person in there somewhere. <laughs> and they haven't, like, figured out in the past month that they have a copy of their key to set the alarm off. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> um, well, cool. and the other thing I was going to point out, KT, was that it's actually so awesome to have somebody on who does uh, – I guess, yeah, dabbles a little bit in sort of the police crime sort of things because you're combining the two genres because mm-hmm. true crime is how 
Paige got into podcasts and how she got me into podcasts. And, you know, now we, now here we are doing this more paranormal one, but, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, uh, I used to, I actually once got kind of yelled at or lectured by my elementary school librarian because all I would check out was books on monsters, books on how detectives <laughs> actually work, books on spies. And she's like, Katie, I think you read too much nonfiction. And I don't know if <laughs> librarians are supposed to say that. But yeah, you know, I love all of that active detecting stuff. Like I'm trying to figure out how to write a mystery in which uh-huh. a ghost is murdered. And oh. the problem is no one thinks it can be solved because that doesn't leave a body. But okay. I'm currently spinning my wheels on how to do it. I, I actually have had some spooky stuff happen recently. Oh, excellent. Um, So, yeah, before you say your spooky thing, ghost murdered. This is like weird coincidences. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one thought would be like, oh, they could be like exercised by someone or whatever. But the other weird thing is that our next episode that we're recording is going to be on like spooky true crime stuff. And one of those stories mm. is uh, one of the stories that I'm hoping we'll cover is of someone uh whose daughter was murdered and then like she believes that her daughter's ghost like told her who murdered her so yeah (laughs) and and of Uh, course how do you bring that to court well right Right. but like i think there are like court records of her like testifying to this so it's like a whole crazy story but uh yeah so anyway what what has happened to you lately that has been spooky (laughs) okay so i have a five and a six-year-old Mm-hmm. And they sleep in a room with bunk beds and they don't have a door because they destroyed it. And we're still. Getting ready to <laughs> they sound like so much fun. <laughs> they, they really are like my little girl. She is unafraid of everything. She's cause she's grown up in the house surrounded by monsters. So yeah. when she was four, we took her to the Renaissance fair and she went into the haunted maze and they were giving me the look like you're wasting your six bucks. But then she, like, made friends with the Grim Reaper and giggled oh. skeleton horses. So it was it was funny. Like, there was literally a part where there's this maze thing. And if you're not familiar with all the Renaissance Fair tricks, it had, like, basically giant garbage bags inflated. So you had to squeeze through. Oh. And there were three, like, middle-aged women who suddenly ran out our way. And one of them grabbed me by the shoulder and said, it's too terrifying. And then my four-year-old proceeded to immediately walk in and make friends with the ghost. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but the thing is, she talks during her sleep. And, like, I have seen enough Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, spooky stories where if a kid, like, says, oh, no, or hi, who are you, or all that, you're like, that's the invisible thing. That's the ghost. That's the thing in the closet. So just mm-hmm. whenever she starts talking, unless it's like really obvious, like, I don't know, President Bear stole my cactus. Like, I always think like, should I walk in there? Like, should I be a good parent? Okay, you're a skeptical science teacher, but what if there's something in there? <laughs> Yeah, maybe just like better not to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. That would 100% be me as a parent. <laughs> no questions asked. That is exactly how I would be. Like, meh, we're just going to leave them in there because I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I tell them that the lock on their closet is so they don't pull out their all their toys and spray them around. 
But mm -hmm. the lock on the closet also serves a little bit for me of like, yep, don't have to worry about it. Because like I, yeah. when I was a little bit older than her, I dismantled my closet doors and took the underneath under my bed so the mattress was flat. No under the bed. Closet is open. Nothing can hide there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Literally, I, some of my friends rigged my closet door. When I closed it, it would like set off these fireworks poppers. And then three years later, they asked me about it. I'm like, I never closed my closet door. Oh, there you go. So to sum up, kids are spooky. <laughs> yes, kids are spooky. And that is funny because the, uh, there is a lot of weird coincidences. But yeah, that's the second kind of like kids being weird and spooky in the middle of the night thing that I've heard lately. So, <laughs> yeah. well, I guess I have to go, right, Paige? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't, so honestly, I didn't know. I I've been in and out, so I don't even know if you had gone. <laughs> <laughs> It's going really great. Uh, okay. So nothing in particular for me this week. I was just really tickled while we were researching for this episode because a large portion of the articles that I read were starting out with like, it's Halloween again. So like, apparently this is when we write all of our articles about werewolves. So I was like, great. This podcast is living up to my dreams of like just it getting to be Halloween 365 days a year. So absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, where we're going to start today talking about werewolves is we're going to talk about where werewolf stories originate. So mostly folklore, some fiction. Um, mm -hmm. Once we do that, we will dive into uh, I guess possible true explanations for why people might have been telling stories about werewolves or think that they had werewolves running around. So I will get us started and you guys can just chime in whenever. Well, quick question. Are we yeah. going to mostly focus on the wolves? Or are we going to do the Dungeons and Dragons thing of like throwing in werebears, werebores, were-ravens, all the like shape-shifty creatures? Oh, good point. So mostly wolves. We will chat a little bit about the fact that some cultures have like other were animals, but this will be focused on wolves in particular. Cool. Yes. Good question. Oh, okay. So uh, a lot of people think that the first werewolf story, uh, story uh, was the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is a Mesopotamian poem that was written between 2100 and 1200 BC, which is pretty wild. So a super long time ago. Oh, yeah. It has a boat and a flood, like, I think 600 years before the Hebrews put down the Noah myth. <gasps> That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> who I first learned about from the cartoon series The Tick. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, awesome. So, yeah, so this is one of the oldest known written works. And, uh, yeah, like I said, apparently some people consider it sort of the first nod to werewolves or at least people being transformed into wolves. So apparently in part of this, Gilgamesh refuses to become the lover of the goddess Ishtar because mm -hmm. she's been crappy to other men that she's <laughs> hooked up with. Yeah, gods have a habit of that. Like, you think it's Apollo shows up, people would just start running after a while. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah, this is typical. Uh, so anyway, so she, he refuses because he's like, um, no, I've heard that you've been pretty terrible to these previous men. And one of these men in particular was a shepherd who she turned into a wolf because I don't know, he must have pissed her off somehow. Uh, but this is, you know, particularly, I guess, ironic because she turns, he's a shepherd. So she makes him an enemy to his flock and to his own dogs. So, I mean, that's just really rude. <laughs> well, on it, yeah. Ishtar, you know, when she gets a little bit angry, she'd be like, Gilgamesh, you're going to turn me down? Okay, I'm going to unleash the giant wicked bowl of heaven. You know, like, you no know, one just, just like, you know, let's just. Bitch about it on Twitter. No, they he has to go all <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that is one of the earliest stories that we have of this. There are also stories about werewolves from ancient Greece or ancient. I can't talk today. Apparently, ancient Greece. <laughs> Uh, or at least, again, the transformation of a person into a wolf and. One of their stories, or some of their stories, I guess, suggests that this transformation is facilitated by eating the meat of a wolf mixed with that of a human. So, okay. Uh, but apparently there's a story called The Metamorphosis by Ovid. And in this story, uh, the god Jupiter in disguise visits King Lyca Lycaon? Lycaon. Uh, and Lycaon is suspicious that his guest is immortal and apparently feeds him human meat as a test, like, you know, like you do when you're suspicious of one of your house guests. And... Uh, Jupiter turns him into a wolf because of it. So that name, Lycan and Lycanthropy, both come from the root word Lycos, which means wolf. So that's where we get that word. <laughs> I always wondered about that story because I'm like, let's say you prove that he's one of the gods. Uh -huh. What's your plan from there? Because he's going, <laughs> if they're a divine god, they're going to realize that you're, you know, ghosting yeah. him with yes. people. Yes. And yeah, like, I, I guess I didn't look too in depth into like why that why he thought this would be a good idea. But yeah, Jupiter immediately realizes it and is like, okay, well, I'm going to turn you into something else now. But definitely both of these things like being turned into a wolf is, uh, I guess, a punishment for something. Yeah, which is going to change as we go through the episode. That's the fun part. Yes, yes. In more in modern fiction, it is it is definitely a lot different. Okay, so we're going to move forward through time. Apparently, in the Middle Ages, we start to get this association with witches, and a lot of people believe that werewolves were created by witches or that there's some sort of curse involved. Uh, but overall, the werewolf myth is pretty ubiquitous. So there's a lot of other methods to becoming one that develop over time. Uh, you can be cursed and become a werewolf. Uh, some stories say that you're conceived under a new moon, you eat certain herbs, you sleep under the full moon on a Friday, or you drink water that's been touched by a wolf. So there's a lot of options. Here. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, when I was a kid reading books, I'm like, you drink water from a wolf's footprint. And I'm like, 
Oh. Who does that? Who says that's it? That's the degree you're <laughs> going to get. And- I mean, <laughs> I guess if you were desperate for water and like it had collected in a footprint, you might. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that is weird. And then there's always the deliberate werewolves in that time, the ones who made the pact with the devil. Mm-hmm. That nobody talks about today. Like there's so many classic werewolf curse full moon pure at heart kind of stuff but i would love to see some more horror movies where it's just like i made a deal with the devil i have a wolf skin belt or some stuff Mm -hmm. i'm gonna turn into a wolf and be like an angry hulk everywhere and i just hope the hero doesn't find my wolf my human skin that i've hit under the rock yeah we're gonna talk about that uh at least briefly right now so in some cultures the choice to turn into a wolf is voluntary. So there are a few different methods that this can happen. It can be related to the removal of your human clothes. Uh, You can put on a wolf skin and facilitate the transformation. We will tell the wolf skin belt story later. Um, There is an Icelandic piece of literature from the 13th century called the Volsunga Saga, which talks about men wearing the skin of wolves so that they can fight as wolves. So they're taking on that power, basically. And this could be linked to Norse berserkers who are said to have worn bear skins in battle uh, and apparently also got high on mushrooms to amp themselves up. So <laughs> that's pretty hardcore. <laughs> there was a lot of mushrooms back in that day, I bet. Yeah. I kind of like this story more. I kind of like the, like, I'm choosing to become a werewolf. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, and I remember when we talked about vampires with Rebecca and, no, that was with Holly. Uh, but either way, I think in both cases, we mentioned vampires and and how with werewolves and stuff yeah there's this sort of like whole like victim mentality in a lot of the stories where they got bitten or they got cursed or whatever and it's this involuntary thing and you sort of feel bad for them but yeah it is fun to have the stories where it's like they've chosen to become a wolf because they're yeah taking on some power or whatever and there are definitely modern stories like where werewolves are just sort of like a race that exists. Like True Blood is like that, where the wolves are like they're just another race in the world. So yeah, are they born werewolves in that? I think they're born werewolves. Yeah, okay, I can like, remember. Yeah, they're not made. They're just they're just born like that, and that's just another. Yeah, gotcha. So something that I had read, KT, is that werewolves were apparently once considered to be giant extinct lemurs from Madagascar. <laughs> and like, oh. I did not see this at all. <laughs> I literally, it was like, it was like one line in one article. And so I tried to find more information on it because I was just like very excited about it and didn't really find anything else. So I was hoping that you would tell me that this is in fact a thing. All right. So I have <laughs> never heard this. Dang it. <laughs> I love cryptozoology in all. Oh, great. So let me tell you in almost. Like every other article, someone who is just like, you know, maybe not a crypto fan, but someone who's just doing the research for the first time will love to usually throw in stuff like, and this might have been a woolly rhinoceros, and this might have been a megatherium. So the idea that these folklore tales 
and cryptids are based on like actual survivors, that is all over. So yeah. I can totally believe that. And you know, there were lemurs that were like four, six feet tall, were they? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I know they were big, but I don't know. I'm how actually big. looking at a picture right now. I'm going to send it to you guys in the chat and then we will share it when we post this episode because it's like it's worth seeing (laughs) but the thing is i don't think lemurs were ever carnivorous so like that would be a pretty unterrifying werewolf like what (laughs) i have heard is like you know people who are speculating that maybe they're old pleistocene era dire wolves oh yeah yeah i mean like this is the kind of uh, area you get where have you ever seen the movie brotherhood of the wolf i have not no Okay, so, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, you might want to skip 30 seconds. It is probably one of the best movies ever where you can meet the Pope's killer sex worker. Um, Amazing. (laughs) One of the solutions suggested in the movie, I'm not going to tell you whether or not it becomes the right one, is what that, the werewolf, and in this case, like a very famous werewolf, the Beast of Le Givaldon, is like some animal that was brought over from Africa. Whether it was like oh. a lion that was just put up in a suit or something weird that went extinct. Uh huh. So, yeah, there's, they are all been talking about that kind of stuff because also, like, there's probably megafauna, like big animals that went extinct without anybody recording it or finding the fossils. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something that, that we've talked about when we've talked about cryptids is like, yeah, there could be, you know, sort of these things that are similar to mythical animals that we just like they went extinct before we ever would have recorded them as being a thing but in the chat there's a link that has an illustration of how the size of one of these uh giant lemurs would have compared to a man so they're like hideous adorable thing ever it's like sort of adorable but also sort of scary but like it's huge He's huge. Yeah. yeah, he's very heavy. It says 150 to 240 kilograms. So that's like it's like two and a half kilograms or pounds to a kilogram, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like at least 350 pounds, which is that's that's a big animal, like bear size, black bear size. Uh, and yeah, but like his posture, like for sure, like in the illust- in some of the illustrations that I've seen of werewolves, like he's sort of got that like hunched over, like long limbed look to him. So yeah, uh, yeah. he so, is though an herbivore. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just so, just yeah. to clear that up. <laughs> so lemurs were not hunting people down and eating them. <laughs> I'm sure that we can get some trashy sci-fi novel involved involving that. <laughs> if there's like six books of megalodons eating people, there must be one with a giant. <laughs> uh okay this is amazing i'm i'm loving this and i like love that you have such a yeah you've got well i mean obviously since you write about monsters you've got like a great encyclopedic knowledge of (laughs) of all the origin stories for this so this is great okay Paige, do you want to keep going 
Yeah. So I just wanted to mention, so when we talked about vampires, we found out that Megan and I have basically only watched like the worst vampire movies. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so it's probably, that is probably also going to hold true for this episode. I'm just warning you. Absolutely true. (laughs) Um, But I had read that the Wolfman, uh, which is a movie, is Mm -hmm. apparently like the Dracula of werewolves. And it was kind of what established the behavior for like what we know today as a werewolf. Um, so that that is true. Yeah, because when okay. uh, Kurt Siemack and Carl Lemley at Universal Studios were making The Wolfman, like you know, there's a book for Frankenstein in '31. There's a book for Dracula that when they make in '31. But when it's 1941 and they're going with the werewolf, basically they're cobbling together all old parts of folklore, but they add the stuff like there's not a lot of European background where the full moon is what turns you into the werewolf. Like I know at least one 19th century Hasidic Jewish legend involving that, but mostly it's a whole bunch of other stuff as we've mentioned. And so like, that's the movie where it starts to solidify or at least the sequel, you know, the silver was usually vampires and witches, but this is the one that does silver. Mm -hmm. And the movie is famous for, and what it puts into just about everything is the rhyme, where the first movie says, even a man who is pure at heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf band blooms and the autumn moon <laughs> is bright. And the full moon doesn't come into it until you get to the sequel, Frankenstein meets the wolf man, and they change it to, and the moon is full and bright, which they oh. never do today with all like the continuity people online and stuff. But the thing is, this is a time before videotapes or TV on stuff. So, like, they didn't care about continuity because who's <laughs> going to remember what happened in the last movie? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that I, really creates our modern werewolf, 1941 yeah. and 1943. Well, we probably need to watch it then. Yeah. It's good. Wolfman <laughs> is good. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. It, it's okay. As a kid, I loved that one because, and we'll probably talk about this later, the motivation of the main character is to die. He wants to stop being a werewolf, so he's just oh. trying to die, so he doesn't come back to life as a werewolf. Yeah, it's happening. It's like a suicidal Incredible Hulk. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, yeah, but like Paige mentioned, like I think my going through this, my consumption of werewolf fiction, movies, books, whatever, is like shockingly low compared to even compared to vampires, and we learned from the episode that we recorded about vampires that apparently my consumption of that is also shockingly low (laughs) compared to where I thought it was. So yeah. And, and now that we've like done this research and we're, we're talking about this, like I, I'm into it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up on my werewolf. I can always give you some movie (laughs) recommendations later. If there's a point for a point in time, we can do that. Yes, that would be great. Absolutely. (laughs) So, uh, funny that you mentioned the Wolfsbane because that, I guess, is the Wolfman the first place that that shows up or is that elsewhere or is that earlier as well? Oh, yeah. Wolfsbane is definitely something from the folklore as far as I know. But, I mean, it could be given in a whole lot of different ways because, you know, if we're talking about traditions from Germanic to Eastern Europe, then, you know, you got different plants which are considered holy or good. You have, like, theoretically oak or rowan in some places like 
Mm -hmm. uh, which one was it? Like wooden stakes were supposed to be made out of, I think it was supposed to be oak at one okay. point because that was the wood that Jesus was crucified on. Oh, Don't ask okay. me. I'm the Jewish kid, but. <laughs> <laughs> Rowan trees have been mentioned in other things that I've read about witchcraft and stuff. So I wonder how that's significant. But anyway, so Wolfsbane itself is a poisonous plant that has been used by people to kill nuisance animals and may have also been used to poison wolves that were coming onto their property. And it's like, it's poisonous enough that they say, only handle it if you're wearing gloves. And when you take those gloves off, wash your hands thoroughly. So that way you don't poison yourself. So it's, it's serious. Um, but it shows up in other werewolf uh, fiction or more recent werewolf fiction as well, because Remus Lupin in Harry Potter takes a Wolfsbane potion uh, to keep him docile during the full moon. So I had totally forgotten about that. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that part too. Yeah, yeah, it had been so long since I have read. That's the, that's the third. Yeah, that's the third Harry Potter book. It had been a long time, so I forgot that detail. Yeah, Azkaban, right? Yes, yes, that's Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, okay, well, hey, that's like another podcast check mark. Like we've gotten to talk about Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> okay. The silver bullet thing, like you said, comes in more so with vampires, which is, uh, isn't mentioned until this, this wolf man. Uh, I saw one article that mentioned that silver may have become a thing because people, uh, with these sort of folkloric characters, because people recognized that silver had like antibacterial properties. So potentially, you know, it's related to like curing some infection or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff about, like, you know, this folklore came about because people didn't understand the science. I don't yeah, know if you covered right. it in your vampire episode, but there's this brilliant book called Vampire's Burial and Death in which a forensic scientist says, here's all the vampire myths and here's why they're probably just related to people who had no idea what decomposition was. Yes. So we didn't talk about that particular book, but that was, we've done two vampire episodes, actually. The first one that we did, though, was like, basically focused on people don't understand how bodies decompose. So mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, but that's awesome. We should pick up a copy of that book to to learn more about it. So Paige, do you want to tell us about werewolf hunts, which I had no idea were a thing? <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. And like everyone knows about witch hunts, but it sounds like they they kind of were lumped together. Um, so the werewolf hunts took place in like the 15 and 1600s, which is around the same time that like the witch hunts were starting. And many werewolves were actually apparently sentenced to death for witchcraft, but not actually for being a werewolf, which I think is weird because you said earlier that one of the one of like the beliefs is that werewolves are turned into werewolves by witches so like, yeah. you're turned yeah. into a werewolf by a witch and then you're killed because they think you're a witch well i mean basically you use the witchcraft to get the powers so it's yeah like, okay that makes you sense don't care if you cast fireball or lightning bolt you're a wizard you're going to die i got you that makes sense and oh, like i mean it doesn't it's terrible but oh yeah I mean, we're, we're joking about this because it's horrible. And, like, I used to be amazed as a kid <laughs> how horrible it was because I used to check out all of the werewolf books I can from the library. 
And they yeah. always used to use a lot of the same pictures because the thing about old medieval woodcuts is that they're out of copyright, so you don't have to pay anybody. And one of the oh. werewolf cases they always talked about was this guy named Peter Stubb. And he was he was convicted of being a werewolf and executed hideously. And so, like, in, my, in the elementary school werewolf books, you could see this, like, almost like six-panel cartoon of him having awful things done to him. That was where I learned what being broken upon the wheel was. And it's just like, oh. it's these cute little simple drawings. And then you're like, oh, there's all his body parts. Because oh. <laughs> like, they didn't have that immunity thing. You can just kill a werewolf with just about anything. One of, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a story in so many cultures of person is out wandering. Person injures wolf. Person comes home, someone they know has the actual inju- injury. Like the dude who shoots the wolf oh, yeah. off, and when he comes home, his wife is missing a hand. Because that whole, like, immunity <laughs> to everything. Like, we once played a role-playing game yeah. where we realized that, like, wait, is the werewolf really immune to our nuclear missiles? <sighs> but, uh, like, immunity to everything? That's pretty new. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I was just going to say that we'll we'll come back to... Uh, sorry, you said it was pronounced Peter Stubb or Peter Stubb? I don't know the exact pronunciation. Yeah, it's S-T-U-B-B-E. So he's he's German, so I think it would be Stubb, right, Paige? You took German in uh, high school. Or Stubbe. Yes, Stubbe. Stubbe, okay. All right, well, we'll, we'll talk about yeah. him again later, but I'm I'm excited that, that you're familiar. <laughs> Anyone who read one of those books wouldn't. And I was just going to say, I'm sure as... People very much like me, you have done that thing where there's something you've read about for years, but you've never spoken it out loud to another human being. And you get the words. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and speaking about the 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 torture stuff, I, yeah, like, it, <laughs> there are a couple things that will talk about as we sort of get into like the the true explanations and stuff and actually now that we're talking about werewolf hunts well Paige, i'll i'll let you continue and then i'll i'll make my comment <laughs> okay <laughs> um but it's it, it kind of fits perfectly with what you were just saying kt so apparently one or one thing that i had read was that um for for some reason, I guess people believed that werewolves like turned their skin inside out to return to human form. And so like during these werewolf hunts, people would cut and pull a person's skin back to see what was oh. underneath. Yeah. Because <laughs> that is if terrible. You them and there was fur underneath, they're a werewolf. And like that makes oh my the whole God. Coin, which isn't a pond thing look rational. Right. Seriously. Yeah, coming back to what I was going to say, the note that I put <laughs> beneath that <laughs> was just, and sorry, we swear on this podcast, I did not warn you about that, but it, it was just, what the fuck, people are the real monsters, well, like, yeah. are you serious Absolutely. that this was a thing that they were doing, and yeah, I can't, ugh, I, yeah, some of it is just like, I can't even think too hard about it because i just get too scared yeah, that's out, why we make so. the jokes because otherwise right yes. <laughs> morbid this will make a true crime podcast look like little mary sunshine so you know that's why we have to you understand right us. yeah <laughs> yes it just like makes my skin crawl um <laughs> okay so before we moved on to sort of true explanations for werewolves or possibilities uh I wanted to ask, KT, do you have any 
like particular werewolf stories or folklore that you really like that we haven't mentioned? Uh, or, you know, you said that there are werewolves in your book, right? Or in this, this universe in mm-hmm. your book. So is there anything particular that you pulled from to write those? Uh, well, I pulled a lot of the stuff that I've mentioned, you know, it came out as the stuff yeah. I said first, because that's the stuff I love about werewolves. And I love using yeah. weird, embarrassing stuff about monsters. <laughs> like, okay. you know, when, for my vampires, I choose all the standard vampire stuff, except I also chose the sesame seeds thing because, Oh yeah. yeah that's so weird. Like, you know, the fact that I have a character who, you know, She's super strong. She can't be killed by bullets. If you drop a sesame seed bagel, she's going to be on her knees counting. That's funny. (laughs) And one of the great pieces of funny folklore on that level, which I wanted to use, I haven't done a werewolf focus book yet, but I want to. I have the Wolfman, actually. I haven't named him yet, but Larry Talbot from the Wolfman works at the police headquarters. Um, There is one bit of folklore legend I ran across where... Since werewolves are of the devil, they had to be weak against holy symbols. So there is one story where someone defeats a werewolf by cutting a cross into an apron and beating the werewolf away with a swinging apron. (laughs) And I love it. Yeah, that's great. Aside from that, the big weird medieval myth I like. Have you ever heard of the Bernadanti from Italy? No. Oh, this is going to be good. Okay. So, you got like, I think 15th, 16th century Italy. Some inquisitors are moving along. The church is moving along, looking for tales of witches, looking for all of the usual stuff. And then, like, you know, they get in over their head where they go to some small rural towns and, like, you know, they do the usual, are you a witch? And the person says, no. Okay. I fight witches. What? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> when I asleep, I turn into a wolf and I fly to hell to fight the devil. And oh they're my like, goodness. What? Yeah, no, we have a club about this. And like, yeah, there is this folk belief of this group called the Bernadanti who tell them, yes, when we dream, we become the wolves of God. I think that's where Neil Gaiman got it from in the graveyard book. And oh, they, wow. um, they go to hell in their dreams and fight the devil. And they're like, yeah, and we think we know where some witches are because we've been fighting them in our dreams. And the church is huh. like, what the fuck do we do with this? Um, <laughs> like, as far as I've seen, they never executed any Bernadonte members because they're all like, no, no, I become a werewolf for Jesus. And they're like, okay, just we'll give you two months probation and stop talking about it. And they're just yeah. like completely flummoxed because they're like, no, can we have someone who claims they're at either worshiping the devil or not worshiping the devil. Uh, yeah, have really. These super dreamlands werewolves who fight the devil. That's a pretty awesome story. <laughs> yeah, I that that has always tickled me. I don't know why there's not some kind of like really fun alternate history about that or something. Yeah, right. I want to let you know that I've been checking things off of my list as I've mentioned stuff I've wanted to mention. And so for a brief second, I was the only list ever created in human history that had the phrases Bernadonte and aprons on it. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. As a note, my wife just leaned over to me and whispered the quote from Peter Jackson's movie Braindead, I kick ass for the Lord. (laughs) 
<laughs> Somebody should <laughs> embroider that on a pillow. Yes. Um, hey, you have a new cross awesome. project. I have another yeah. new one. I kick ass for the Lord. <laughs> oh, yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, well, that's sort of the folklore side of things, cool, cool. Uh, at least a brief a brief view of it. So we're going to talk about some possible true explanations for werewolf stories or sort of true, more, more so, like with vampires, you sort of get into the medical side mm-hmm. of things. Uh, and my comment on this was just that there was like, honestly, way more science behind werewolf origins than I expected there to be, or at least like possible science. So that was very exciting. But the first thing was the first thing that I thought of was that people are may have been mistaking rabid dogs or animals to be something supernatural because dogs or wolves obviously behave oddly when they're rabid. So I could see somebody mistaking that behavior for something supernatural. I mean, that makes sense. And if you don't understand the germ theory of disease, then what else Mm -hmm. are you going to blame this on? And for the listeners, remember, if you're wondering like, well, those are just wolves, the whole wolf walking on two legs thing and like being the awesome monster monster, that's 20th century. Most of these people are thinking like just wolves. Yeah. So that was another thing that I forgot to mention was that, yeah, they're Earlier on, like the belief in werewolves was pretty common, and there are a lot of similarities between the activities of real wolves and werewolves. So there was less of a distinction than sort of some of the modern depictions that you see of them. Um, Yeah, and there's the fact that, you know, rabies is spread through a bite. So that is convenient to (laughs) some of the, the, yeah the werewolf how how you create a werewolf and i just wanted to make the comment that you know not so much looking at rabid dogs but if you yourself got bit by a rabid dog and um contracted rabies and like your behavior could also be pulled into question you know you have you start drooling on yourself and and a lot of people get really agitated i'm sorry my dog is deciding to get angry right now she's trying to silence you Uh, (laughs) oh my god she's turning into a werewolf (laughs) Um, i had even read a story about a a man who like had recently gotten married and like that night like the wedding night they had you know snuck away and somebody heard screams from their bedroom and like apparently supposedly had like gotten bit by like a, a a dog at some point and they think that he just had rabies but like i don't know like killed his wife or something it what i don't know metal band's it's... not an arctica made a song about that oh really oh to me it sounded like either a made up or b like something else was going on but like i could see how if you were bit and you started displaying some of these symptoms that you could 
Like people could see you as a werewolf. And that makes sense what you said, Paige, because there were also like reports of werewolves who fought like wolves but didn't change. Like I mentioned those woodcuts. One of those famous woodcuts that everybody loved to put in their books was of this hut with body parts everywhere. And the werewolf was just this hairy bearded dude who's crawling on all fours with a baby in his mouth. And there's nothing outwardly werewolfy around it, but that was one of their definitions of a werewolf. Someone who became overcome with the wolf spirit, basically, and did, you know, serial killer stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like you said... The the full moon thing doesn't come become a thing until the Wolfman uh, movie comes out. But we wanted to touch a little bit on this sort of like full moon connection. So at some point, people apparently or there's some sort of like old wives tale that dogs bite people more often when there's a full moon. Uh, so Paige, I think you took some some notes on yeah, that. Yeah. Um. So two researchers, Chapman and I think it's Morell, yeah. looked at twelve months of public health records and they extracted the data on daily admissions for dog bites and they specifically picked a year where they had seen a large number of full moons and a large number of dog bites so that they could you know they actually had a decent amount of data to work with and Mm -hmm. in looking at it they they averaged that there were a there were about four and a half dog bites every day which like I don't know why that seems like a lot to me. It's probably it's not really, but they then went through and identified peak days. So these were days where any like more than 10 or more bites occurred in a day. And they found that the full moons coincided with none of the peak days at all. So like none of the days where there were yeah. 10 or more days was it also a full moon. Yeah. So if anyone tries to tell you that dogs bite more often at the full moon or they're you know act strangely at the full moon it's nothing to it yeah, that confirmation <laughs> bias thing about hospitals getting busier on the full moon it's just right. you know if you believe it then you'll remember the stuff on the full moon and you'll right. forget the other stuff yeah 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 so that's what i was gonna talk about next was yeah that there are these anecdotes of increased activity or sort of like basically just more craziness at emergency rooms during the full moon. Uh, But as far as I know, that's not substantiated by data. Although I have a theory that what if like, I don't I actually forgot to double check if there was like any data to support this. But it's like, if there was any bias towards it, it's like, what if the extra light at night, because of the full moon just means like, more people are out and about and thus are like more likely to cause trouble or get themselves in trouble. So it like sort of feeds yeah, into that's it. Yeah, that totally reasonable. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my – and I have no idea if that is a thing I at just all. pulled it up. Uh, okay. And it looks like – I mean just like the very first article I'm looking at. So it's totally possible that you know if I read more, I'd find out more. But according to this, multiple <laughs> scientific studies have indicated that there is like – no correlation. There's no link between the two. That a full moon occur- occurred 49 times, and in that period of time, not a single, not once did it actually boost admissions to the hospitals. And yet, people believe that so much that that's where the word lunatic comes from. Yes, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that connection. Oh my goodness. <laughs> By the way, speaking of just googling something, I double checked the Lyco story. <laughs> Apparently, the point was. If I chop up my son and feed him to Zeus, I'll prove whether or not Zeus has omnipotence. So it's like a really weird 
Richard Dawkins cannibalism style. I'm going to test the gods. But, like, why don't you just, like, I don't know, put some dirt in there. You don't have to chop off your kid. Come on, man. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Great. Well, that was way more horrifying than I thought it was. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, the other thing that I thought of while I was researching this was like this connection between wolves and the moon and werewolves and, you know, behavior was that phrase howling at the moon. I was like, where does that even come from? Uh, apparently it could be related to a Norse myth that a pair of wolves chased the moon to summon night and day. But I guess there's also a lot of art and mythology from other cultures that connects wolves and the moon. I think they're Skull and Hati and they're the sons of Fenger. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah, so there's like definitely mythology related to this. Uh, but an article to my point of like people being. Thanks, Georgie. Um, it's my dog. <laughs> to my point of people like, you know, being more out and about during the full moon, one article suggested that, again, maybe ancient people were just more aware of wolves howling on nights with full moons because. The people took advantage of the extra light and were more active on those mm -hmm. nights. So it is possible that like there is no connection between like actual wolves and the full moon. But like people may have just been more aware of it because they were like, it's light out. We can do more things during the full moon. And so they were just like more aware of hearing those Yeah, sounds. so correlation is not causation. You just get to hear more wolves yeah. when it's the full moon. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Very cool. I just want to mention also that I always wonder how much of this stuff is blamed on monsters just so people can get away with it. There's a deleted scene in Bride of Frankenstein because surprisingly Bride of Frankenstein had too many murders for the censors where yeah. like – just what there's this dude sitting in front of a cabin and he's like he hears people crying the monsters are out the monster is out and he just gets this look yeah. on his face and he's like you know i've always wanted uncle's cabin and then he just starts sneaking up and he's like it's too bad the monster got uncle and I'm like how many oh. of this is people just like murdering people in the woods because you know you don't have anything in view of forensics yeah. and just like oh yeah the, yeah. the werewolves got him yeah, no, I've I've wondered that, and um, with that that story with Peter Stube, Stube, um, I sort of wondered the same thing. Was like, was he like blaming his behavior on on this? But uh, we just did an episode on Wendigos, mm -hmm. and there was definitely a big aspect of that where people were there were a couple different examples where people had blamed you know they like murdered their whole family but they were like oh well i was possessed by the wendigo so mm. yeah not great <laughs> no not great okay so Paige, do you want to take us into the the medical hypertrichosis yes stuff? i would love to so hypertrichosis is a disorder where people grow excessive hair on their faces and bodies and it's kind of it's kind of fucking rude but for a long time it was nicknamed werewolf <laughs> syndrome i just like that's Aww. terrible <laughs> Yeah, that's, right. that's rude. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, think about how many medical terms are now rude now because you realize, wait, no, you can't actually call someone an idiot. Let's not do that. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so I, I didn't, you know, I didn't do a ton of reading on like what was really going on with this, but apparently it's an abnormal 
abnormality found on the X chromosome. So I read a little bit more about this, and I guess they think that it may be genetically related to like a reactivation of some ancient trait, basically, that's like sort of gone dormant in our DNA. Uh, but they one they called it a hereditary misstep. So basically going back to the days when people would have had some sort of protective fur covering most of their bodies and like somehow that's gotten reactivated. And so these people are growing excessive hair on their body. There are huh. plenty of examples of that in nature. I mean, just in the yeah, last few yeah, years long, sure. you had a snake in China that grew a foot from the old DNA when it was Whoa. a burrowing animal, not in any right places. You have chickens occasionally born with teeth because, you know, dinosaurs. They also have that dolphin yeah. with uh, two back fins that were found because, you know, they, you know, every cetacean, every whale in the world has two back legs that are just tiny little bones inside, barely connected to their pelvis that don't peek out because they used to be land animals. So this is yeah. totally something that happens across species where some ancient DNA can just in a weird chance manifest themselves. Isn't that cool, though? Oh, yeah. That is so cool. And also, KT, I just have to ask. So you said you're you're a teacher. Are you like K through 12 or college? I am a middle school teacher that teaches life science, engineering, basic astrophysics, uh, horror fantasy and science fiction literature. Basically, like they're like, we need a class. Can you make up a class? I can make up a class. Your middle school sounds <laughs> way cooler than the middle school I went to. <laughs> like <you>. way cooler. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm I'm sitting here thinking like we we keep going through all this stuff and like you have been chiming in with all these like fun facts about like you know biology and animals and folklore and all this stuff and I was like you know what I hope that those kids appreciate like just how much knowledge you have and like how awesome this is I was like I want to go back right. to school and like learn about all this stuff from you oh so. yeah like you know <laughs> if you want kids to learn tell them weird and embarrassing stories I have. A really yeah. gross story I tell the kids, so they always remember about like the discovery of cells and stuff. And so, like, you know, amazing that way, kids remember. I mean, that's still how I learn. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I am not a middle schooler, but like, I am learning so much. And yeah, okay. Now I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm very excited. <laughs> Don't apologize for talking right. about how awesome I am. <laughs> <laughs> Paige, do you want to keep going? Yeah. Sorry. Um, so in one variation of the disorder, most of the body ends up becoming covered in this like very fine, unpigmented, silky looking hair, um, which I just made note of because like it actually is like very pretty hair, but it does look a little bit more fur like than, you know, like the mm -hmm. hair that mo that a lot of us have on our head. Which so you said that it was called Lanugo and actually uh I know this from following along during my pregnancy, but fetuses uh later on in the pregnancy are like covered with with this like fine hair called lanugo and they i think most times lose it before they're born but like if you see premature babies sometimes yeah they'll still have i've it. heard that and i've seen it i've seen yeah. like photos of it and it's like I, I don't know why it like kind i mean i don't know i was born with hair but like for some reason it just like there's just little hairy babies yeah. in there yeah it's, <laughs> they're just they're just hairier <laughs> while they're in there i have no idea why that is i always thought that was sort of like a weird thing that happens but again maybe it's like some you know genetic 
thing that like gets turned off before they're burnt born but like doesn't for these people who have this disorder you so. just reminded <laughs> me of one of my favorite spooky things that ever happened okay All right. so i was at dragon con which is giant science fiction fantasy everything convention in atlanta amazing oh yeah like you know if you want to know what dragon con is like one time when i went he walked into dragon con the first thing i see is thor stealing a drink off of a functional r2d2 which is has the little bartender school <laughs> up against the wall there's two girls dressed as bike troopers making out the nasa astrophysicist is ticked off that the wrestlers are being so loud he can't work on his speech while the wrestlers are the dwarf wrestlers are helping the robotics guy set up and in the glass elevator there's a dude in a stormtrooper thing with a boombox just making everyone jump up dragging on a party so, like, Great. the dealer's room takes over an entire hotel. And one time, I'm walking past this shelf of graphic novels in the dealer's room. And, like, there's people everywhere here. So it's not like some weird corner. And this woman is sitting down holding a baby. And it really doesn't look human because oh, it no. is covered in fur. And it seems to have, like, pointed nails and stuff. And I can't tell what it has. A, the nose looks kind of deformed. And I'm like is that one of those werewolf genetic disorders? Is that some kind of primate that's been shaved? What the heck is that? Yeah. But like, I don't stare because I'm not a monster, <laughs> but it's, you know, just one of those things where you get to look at it for a little while and maybe look at it again some other mm -hmm. time, like when you walk by, but I wasn't going to ask, Hey, what's up with the kid? Just, you know. Hey, what's going on with your baby? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you think it was just like a doll or something that she had? Or was it, it a, like was an actual lie? A lie. Like eyes moving, looking around. Like baby skin. The, you know, the texture of skin is so much different than any kind of plastic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Crazy. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for it to be this, like, so hypertrichosis is incredibly rare. So I had read that there were only. 50 cases of it that have been described since the middle ages so sort of like officially documented so mm -hmm. yeah so it would be it would be like it would be so crazy to see somebody who actually had it yeah yeah well, of course that's document like how many of those people in the middle ages were probably just stabbed for being a werewolf <laughs> oh no yeah <laughs> sad right. but probably true i know Jeez. okay well Paige, let's keep going with medical strangeness <laughs> Yeah, so I did want to comment, and, and you mentioned this already, Megan, but with it being so rare, there's a lot of people that have argued that, that, that like this couldn't be like a plausible explanation for why people believe werewolves are real because like there's so few of them, but mm -hmm. werewolf stories were like so popular mm -hmm. um, that they're just like, there has to be something else that kind of sparked like the belief in werewolves. Gotcha. Which, like, to me is, like, one of the other things, right? Like, it's just, like, weird dogs or weird actual wolves right, that people right. are seeing around. Yeah. Like, so. a bunch of stuff working together all becomes the myth. Right. Yeah. Right. right. So then the next thing we're going to talk about is clinical 
wow, lycanthropy, which is a rare psychiatric condition where the person actually believes they're a werewolf. And this is also extremely rare. I think I had read that there had only been like 13 cases since like 1850. And it's largely considered to be an expression of a psychotic episode that's caused by another condition such as schizophrenia, but bipolar disorder or clinical depression. So it's, it's, it's like a sub diagnosis or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. So associated with that was where I had read this this story of Peter Stuba, who is a German man who claimed in 1589 that he owned a wolfskin belt that allowed him to change into a wolf. And he said that he claimed that his body would shift, his teeth would multiply, and that he craved human blood. And he apparently also confessed to having killed 25 people. Uh, but as KT mentioned, this was this confession was procured under duress. <laughs> so it was while, while he was being tortured. Uh, and apparently that included chunks of his skin being <sighs> ripped out with hot pinchers and crushing his limbs with stones. So anyway. <laughs> I would confess to just about anything. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Like, I'd be like, yes, I definitely killed all those people. Please right. stop doing this to my body. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, yes. you know, also, like, if we're talking about a time where mental illness is viewed as mostly having to do with demons, right. then, like, people are probably going to actually, like, if you are mentally ill, you will probably gravitate towards being in things which are in your culture. So mm-hmm. more mentally ill people would probably actually like think that they're werewolves than they would yeah. now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, you know, this is a, this rare psychiatric condition. But, yeah, it's it's possible that, you know, this sort of classic story of this guy who claims that he's a werewolf and murdered all these people is related to that so who knows but apparently he he eventually gets decapitated uh in 1589 and one thing that i saw said that he got decapitated on halloween but i was like "Mm, i don't know about that (laughs) yeah he was killed hard he was killed like vigo and rasputin um Ah. by the way in the chat i have just put i found it the picture of the dude crawling on all fours with a baby in his mouth. Oh, and excellent. <laughs> it, it's uh, apparently 1512. It's called Werewolf Attack. And like this used to be in all the books for little kids. You know, yeah. I guess put it in your. I've seen TV. this. Really? I've never seen this, but this is like an incredible. This is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> huh. That's so awesome. Okay. Well, we're definitely adding that to the notes so that way we can share it later. Okay. So this is sort of the last sciencey thing that we wanted to talk about. But apparently, uh, some people think that werewolf, the origins of werewolf stories might be a metaphor for puberty. <laughs> oh, like, yeah obsessed with this so this is uh from an article called the science of werewolves by declan mckenna uh, and i'll just read a quote so it says this is a a ripe metaphor for the changes associated with adolescence including aggressive behavior heightened sexual emotions muscle development and emerging emerging body hair 
Furthermore, parallels between the lunar cycle of the werewolf and the onset of the monthly menstrual cycle has often been used to add symbolic subtext to tales of female werewolves. I don't know. I I love this. (laughs) I have one question for you two. Okay. Have either of you seen the movie Ginger Snaps? No, but I saw references to it when I was looking more into this, and it sounds amazing. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. no, it's about a a teenage girl who gets bitten by a werewolf while she's having all these problems, like interacting with boys at school and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then, like, it uses the werewolf as a dead-on metaphor for discovering her sexuality and changes in the body and all that stuff. And all the time her sister is like, Ginger... This is not good. No, Ginger Snaps <laughs> takes that exact hypothesis and makes it amazing. Okay, well, again, we're going to add this to the list of movies that we have to see after realizing like our We've vampire and werewolf <laughs> fiction is sorely lacking. We're going to have to have like a, a marathon or something some weekend. Don't forget so- American Werewolf in London. Yes, that one is also on the list after uh, researching stuff. I think I might have seen that one, though, a long time ago. I'm pretty certain I've seen none of these. Yeah, I've at least seen American Werewolf in London. I've at least seen the uh, transformation scene uh, where he turns into the werewolf because that's like, like in, I guess, like classic horror that was like some people say that that the award for like makeup in movies the oscar was like that award was created for the makeup artist for that because it was like such a good practical effect oh yeah let's see i think that's rick baker rick baker monster maker who worked Mm -hmm. on that and it's like uh the director john landis said i want you to make this transformation look like it hurts yeah and like all that you like, it doesn't look like easily quick stuff. Like, you know, you can see all of that kind of changes. Yeah. 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 So like, I've definitely at least seen like that scene played out in like some, you know, documentaries or whatever that I've watched. So I also thought this was super cool and just looked at, look, I was trying to look <laughs> some more articles up about it and like ended up on this like random blog where <laughs> there were like teenagers or like you know they they were allegedly teenagers who were writing to this like blogger um about uh-huh. like thinking they were vampire or not vampire sorry werewolves um and like oh, just no. describing like you know typical like oh i my i have a lot of body aches like i have cramps or i am like irrationally like angry or I've got these like mood swings and like asking like are we werewolves and I sort of wonder (laughs) if some of these people are just like trolling the blogger but on the off chance that they aren't and like this is real first of all that's probably very scary for kids but also it says a lot about our sex education that like (laughs) kids could possibly think that that's what's happening to them yeah i was gonna say like i want to think like this is just you know people trolling or being silly or something like asking on this blog but given the state of (laughs) sex education in this country it's like very possible education you are absolutely right like, oh, I am not okay. allowed to use the word orgasm, even though <gasps> no. one year I defined orgasm since it wasn't on the list. And uh, yeah. one of the kids said, 
I told my parents your definition for orgasm and they were very impressed. And like, oh. I have to read from a script where the PDF is available online. Oh my like, God. I have wow. To with script. Uh, I, you know, I figured out some ways to answer questions by reading specific sentences in a different order. But yeah. by the end of last year, all the kids had memorized the one paragraph on masturbation that basically I was supposed to read verbatim each time I got any kind of masturbation question. Oh, man. Wow. That is rough. That and is that rough. Is like, kudos. In a relatively progressive school system. That yeah, is like, not like the outlier. Yeah. I mean, you know, you still get wonderful questions because there's a. Uh, an anonymous question box you put down where the kids put in questions and then you get stuff like, you know, how do unicorns reproduce and what is teabagging? And I still have <laughs> And the one who wrote about how unicorns reproduce also wrote a picture of uh, Princess Celestia from Blind Little Pony making a troll face. Oh, Just great. Awful. Great. Uh, no, yeah. no, American sex education is awful. It's yes. terrible. And like kudos to you for teaching it and doing the best that you can yeah. because like if there's anything that I can think of that I like want to do the least like teaching sex ed to middle schoolers might be close it. to the top of that <laughs> list. Surprisingly it's one of the easiest parts of the year. Oh there really? you go. Think about it. If you have a room full of 12 and 13 year olds what are they going to pay attention to more? Solar system formation or you talking about sex? Oh well, that's fair. True. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough, kids. But also pay attention to solar system <laughs> formation. <laughs> um, yeah. So one thing that I wanted to point out with this is that there is a lot of folklore about werewolves and uh, how they get transformed uh, is that it's related to a curse for some sort of sexual deviancy and like particularly uh, in males. And so a lot of stories focus on males. Um, so anyway, so so related to puberty, I was like, well, that probably sort of tracks for teenage boys. <laughs> yeah. And probably also more <laughs> stories of and the church says not to do this or you'll yeah. get paw hair on your palms. I'm so glad that you said that because I literally have it in the notes. I was like, do you think that like this is how the hairy palms myth came to be? Like, wow. like you're going to grow extra hair? Like, I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. Then middle school should be filled with werewolves. Yeah, yeah. This is what you should be teaching. Like, hey, guys, you're, it's not puberty. You're just turning into werewolves. You're just you're just turning into werewolves. <laughs> Although, like to be fair, I mean, you know, I have no idea if the kids like are still reading Twilight, but it's like that's like essentially what's happening to the the quote unquote werewolves in that. You know, like he talks about how like they hit puberty and like that's when it happens. Yeah, but <laughs> it's like I just it makes me sad that there are probably kids out there that believe that. Well, what are you gonna do? <laughs> there's not much that i can do unfortunately yeah there were kids in my high school who believed they were psychic vampires there's always going to be the kids who you know think there's something well, yeah so do you remember and i i read like i read a little bit about it doing this research but i'd forgotten about it for some time about the kids and i think it was like san antonio but it was somewhere in texas and there was like a pack of them like they considered themselves a pack and they like considered themselves like the teenage werewolves do you remember this 
I have no memory of this. I have never heard of this. They like walked around with like tails and ears and like they were basically just like gothic kids who had decided that they were going to act as like a pack and they like apparently had meetings during full moons and like supposedly one of the kids like ended up like killing one of the neighbor dogs or something it was really <gasps> weird oh but, no like, i don't think they actually thought they were werewolves i don't i don't think yeah it was just more of like a like where you said killing the dog i was thinking about like the live-action werewolves and vampire games I played. Right, yeah. I was thinking, like, oh, this sounds sort of harmless. And then you were like, oh, they killed the neighbor yeah. dog. I, I mean, I, like I said, I, <laughs> the, this was, like, from, like, 10 years ago or maybe 10, 12 years ago. It was a long time ago. And I just remember, like, there being, like, wow. some news story about it. And I, like, happened across that news story again. And it made me think of it when I was doing this. But, um, yeah. But yeah, it was like, and then it like, I think it popped up in other cities, like other kids were also doing this. I don't know. I don't remember there being any wow. werewolves or vampires where I went to school. But like, apparently, yeah. that's a thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. So related to this, though, uh, apparently in 16th century Guernsey, which is an island off the coast of France, they used werewolves as sort of a um, they called the, the, these groups of teenagers who were out late at night and acting outside of, you know, the norms of polite society, werewolves. Mm. So I love that story. Cause I was like, let's, let's, let's bring that back. Yeah. Like, let's just call bands of unruly teenagers out and about. <laughs> On a related note, we're talking about nicknames. Uh, one of the reasons why I think actually this comes up this season on uh, Creepshow, the series. After World War Two, okay, the insurgents, the uh, the Nazi loyalists who would do terrorist stuff mm -hmm. and like you know try to basically do an underground rebellion resistance, they called themselves mm -hmm. the werewolves. So there's a oh. whole oh. bunch of urban fantasy and horror about Nazi werewolves because I mean. They literally called themselves werewolves. Yeah, that shows up in in True Blood. They had like a whole arc about like connections to yeah to Nazis and stuff. So, huh? There you go. <laughs> They're everywhere. Um, okay. Well, I think that is all that I had. Paige, do you have anything else? No, I, I think that about covers it. Amazing. Um, so, Katie, is there anything that you would like to plug that we have not covered that you want to talk about? Well, uh, if anybody wants to follow me and on Twitter, like I have a lot of followers who love asking me weird questions like, could a werewolf fight a Wendigo or just other bizarre <laughs> random stuff? If you ever want to ask any really weird monster questions, my Twitter handle is all one word at I write monsters. And over the year, probably during the summer, I'll talk about getting my next book out. Because like I have the cover, yeah. such a good cover. And like if that thing sits on my hard drive to the end of time, I will hate myself. So gotta get the second book out. <laughs> yeah, and and to remind people, your first book is is called murder with monsters or that's the name of the the series no the series is called uh the night shift files and the first book right. is murder with monsters which is a isaac asimov style murder mystery about this golem who is framed for murder on a rabbinical student but golems aren't supposed to be able to commit murder so what's going on 
Oh, okay. This sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, that's so great. We will link that in. We'll link to your Twitter and we'll link to the the book in our show notes and on our, our website thank when this comes so out. Much. So, <laughs> Well, no, thank you so much because this was so yeah. much fun. It this was, was incredible. Never need me back again. Feel free to uh, Yeah, yes. you were definitely having <laughs> you're you back. Invited. This is so great. <laughs> you're already invited. <laughs> Very cool. All righty. Well, thank you again so much. That wraps up our discussion with KT about werewolves. Join us in two weeks for our first ever spooky true crime episode. If you like this episode, hit subscribe and share with a friend. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Spooky SciPod, Facebook at Spooky Science Sisters, and at our website, SpookyScienceSisters.com. If you have any questions about previous topics or ideas for future episodes, email us at SpookyScienceSisters at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening and stay spooky. This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com. I'm Anne-Marie Kelly. Wild Precious Life is a podcast about dreaming big, digging in and connecting across distance, division, and loss. In each episode, I talk with prize-winning writers, musicians, and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave. 